0: Happy
1: Friday! Welcome to the morning after on Sports Grid. This is Sirius XM channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, seeking you through the next three hours on the grid, getting you ready on this football Friday. There are so many recaps to get to from actual regular season college football games last night. In addition to the weekend coming up. There are huge games on the slate. It's one of the biggest week ones that I recall in a really long time. A week from now, we're going to know the NFL season is underway. The NFL kicks off in six days. Thursday, Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Major League Baseball races coming down to the wire. And from a gambling perspective, there are still so many ways to get an edge. That's what we're going to do here for the next three hours. Joining me now, my co-host, Ben Stevens. Ben, good morning, and happy Football Friday.
2: Happy Football Friday, indeed. Six straight days of college football for week number one began on Wednesday. We are two days in, and if you stayed up late like me to watch UCF and Boise State following a lightning delay, you need all the college football. If you watch that Big Ten opener between Ohio State and Minnesota in the Twin Cities, you need all the college football. I am here to tell you, All the college football is still in store. Games tonight on a Friday. One of the most marquee matchups of the entire slate coming up tonight between North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Then tomorrow, oh my goodness. Tomorrow on a Saturday, heart eyes emojis. It is going to be incredible. Then Sunday and Monday for your Labor Day holiday weekend. Ariel, if you can't tell, I'm excited by college football being back. This is going to be a great Friday show.
1: Yesterday definitely amped you up because it wasn't just a week one opener. Sorry to uh, Jacksonville State and UAB on Wednesday. Yesterday was the opener, it felt like. And yesterday you got a Big Ten matchup. You had Minnesota and Ohio State. Ohio State ends up getting the win 45 31. Ben, this was an exact example of why you have to get a line at a certain number. If you were laying the points with Ohio State at minus 13 and a half, minus 14 and a half, it all changed because this one ends up at a 14. Either pushed, you didn't hit, or you hit. And that's all because of the difference of one number. Ben, that's how crazy college football is.
2: Ariel, the hook giveth and the hook taketh. Hopefully you are on the right side of the hook if you listened to me yesterday for my TB beat up. And the main reason, Ariel, that I said that for my best bet of the day, backing the Ohio State Buckeyes, the number four team in the country, was not the stats, not the metrics, not that Ohio State's explosion on offense could be predicted, but that because you were getting the Buckeyes inside two touchdowns. That line opened at 13 and a half. It moved up to 14 and a half earlier this week. Now down to 13 and a half by the time we got to kick yesterday. And I said, you are getting Ohio State with a beautiful number inside two touchdowns. And that turned out to be the case yesterday. It is very important to get the number when you want to get it right. And making sure you get the best of the number. We had that. It was a squeaker. And the hook is very important so far this year in college football. A sweat on a Thursday but it prevails. Ohio State starts off the season unbeaten. The offense looked good in the second half. Some questions to answer defensively. But the number four team in all the land, 1-0 so far under Ryan Day.
1: Speaking of that second half, Ohio State was averaging eighteen, uh, just over 18 yards per play. Per play. Not hmm. even per series. Per play. That offense looked really good yesterday in the second half for Ohio State. The problem is Minnesota's offense took a huge hit. A loss was more than a loss yesterday for those Golden Gophers because Minnesota most likely lost their running back. Welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience. First hour here on the morning after Sirius XM channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Ben, I told you I'm superstitious. Yesterday we went on a rant about Muhammad Ibrahim, the running back for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yesterday, during the game, he looked incredible. He had nearly 200 rushing yards. He was, it, no matter how good this Ohio State defense was supposed to be, Ibrahim made it look like Ohio State was an FCS team. Ibrahim didn't care. He was great. And then he ends up, according to Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDoc.com, when he left the game, I thought maybe he got a little bit of muscle tightness. No, no, no. Dr. Chow says it was very clearly a ruptured left Achilles tendon. It would require surgery, and it means Ibrahim is out for the season. Not confirmed to what I've seen yet on Twitter. However, Dr. Chow's usually pretty spot on, especially if he says clearly, Ben.
2: You could see it, too. The left muscle pop in that left lower leg for Mohamed Ibrahim, who was incredible yesterday. The Big Ten running back of the year in 2020 with over a thousand yards in just seven games and 15 touchdowns where he picked up right where he left off yesterday against Ohio State who for all the faults in the secondary for the Buckeyes their front seven especially their defensive line is very very good and Mohamed Ibrahim through about two and a half quarters had 22 carries for 139 yards against Ohio State and two touchdowns including a 56 yarder on a fourth and one conversion early in the first half That really changed how things looked early between Ohio State and Minnesota. So for him to go down was not only a blow for the Golden Gophers to try to rally in that game against the number four team in the country, but really paints a dismal picture for the rest of the year because he is their offense. Everything runs through Mohamed Ibrahim to lose him for all the big 10 for all of college football truly a very devastating start to the year for Minnesota we wish him the speediest of recoveries nine straight games Ariel of a hundred or more rushing yards he did that in like two and a half quarters yesterday against Ohio State
1: it's funny I I tweeted out yesterday during the game how can I draft Ibrahim in my dynasty league well No, not yet. Not yet. But he looked real good. And I'm really excited to see what he could do in the future. Dr. Chow said that even though it's surgery required, he should be fine in the long run. There are a few other games in college football I want to get to. We'll get to it on the other side of the break in addition to more NFL updates. Stay on the grid.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Back on this football Friday on the morning after on SportsGrid. It is SiriusXM channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. I am not done yet with talking about college football from last night. We just spoke about a few different spreads that really were determined by a point or even just the hook. Now let's talk some totals. Yesterday, there was a crazy game. Uh, I'm going to start with Eastern Washington and UNLV. This game was 6-3 at halftime. The total was anywhere between a 66 and a 67. It ends up hitting at 68. The final score was 35-33. You had 17 unanswered points by Eastern Washington in the third quarter, 14 unanswered points by UNLV in the fourth quarter. That's how this game ends up ending. Ben, when you just miss a total, if you had the under of of 67, excuse me, and this game hits at 68, it is the most crushing defeat, especially when you feel so good about it. Six to three at halftime.
2: You're probably sitting there in the first half. You're talking to all of your friends and you're saying, guys, This is about to be my college football season. Tail me on every pick because I have the under for this game that a lot of people anticipated would be scoring nonstop. And then for that to happen as it does, again, Ariel, the motto for the college football season early on through the week zero slate, early on in week number one, the hook giveth and the hook taketh. It depends on what side you are on for that measly .55. It reared its ugly head in that Eastern Washington game. We could also talk UCF and Boise State because after a lightning delay, you had to stay up until nearly 1.30 a.m. Eastern time to see if the hook would giveth or taketh. Certainly the hook gaveth, depending on where you got it if you wanted the under for UCF and Boise State an inflated lofty total at 67 and a half that for a good majority of that game early on when Boise State was dominating up 21 nothing 24-7 you probably thought the Knights could not score against that Broncos defense and sure enough you're sweating it out on a Thursday night Friday morning depending on what time you want to conceptualize things and that is college football at its best
1: College football had a lot of different games decided by the hook or even a point. Curious how things are going to be decided in the NFL. We do have some updates from around the league. And in the NFL, The quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, Carson Wentz, actually was on the field. He actually took snaps with first team. Uh, and that was all yesterday. First time since his surgery. Granted, this isn't all about injury. Carson Wentz was put on the COVID-19 list last week. Him, along with his center Ryan Kelly and wide receiver Zach Pascal, were all activated from the COVID list the other day. And when the teams come back on Monday, the goal is to take all the first-team reps for Wentz. Practice is now mostly closed to the media, but all reports are positive. Full steam ahead. Ben, there was a time where we weren't sure if Carson Wentz was going to return week one or week eight. The window was 5 to 12 weeks after his foot surgery. Now it's looking closer and closer to Wentz starting week one. However, the odds aren't indicating much because this is still Seattle laying two, two and a half points against the Colts on the road in Indy. Whereas the line did open with the Colts favored by that much.
2: Ariel, I think you also bring up a great point. It's not just that Carson Wentz is back from injury, still in the recovery process of that foot surgery, but off the COVID list. And on top of all of that, back practicing full-time with the first team offense that is a very positive indication that for Indianapolis week number one Carson Wentz will be starting under center and again this is one of the lines that we have been monitoring throughout this offseason throughout training camp into the preseason now because Indy opened up as a two and a half point home favorite with all the injury concerns around Carson Wentz the line completely flipped past zero now it's Seattle favored by two and a half but when there was positive vibes in indianapolis around carson wentz and quentin nelson and the gang getting back together for week number one that line moved down to only one and a half in favor of seattle If more reports are coming out of camp in Indianapolis that Carson Wentz is looking good, taking full reps with the first-team offense, that is a line you must monitor. We will discuss a couple of Week 1 lines that you might be able to jump out ahead of that might see some movement here in the next six, seven days ahead of the Week 1 regular season opener in the National Football League. Indianapolis and Seattle is certainly one of those marquee matchups and a line you need to be paying attention to here over the next 48, 72 hours or so.
1: That total also dropped from 52.5 to 48.5. Just something to keep in mind. The Colts have a really good defense. Seattle, eh, suspect. However, they have a great offense. So we'll see how things go when it comes to that total. I have absolutely no idea how to bet that total. I'm not as low on Seattle as a lot of other people are. I still do believe they have a great quarterback in Russell Wilson. I'm not going to ever doubt him. Now, when it comes to great quarterbacks, ah, the Raiders, I don't really know what's going on with this team. John Gruden has actually the fifth most losses amongst coaches within their first few seasons in a team. And he's the only one that hasn't been fired within those first, I think, three, four years was the window. The Raiders are signed. The Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright, who just spent a decade in Seattle. KJ Wright, he's going to a one year deal to Vegas. He had 13 and a half sacks and 941 tackles in his career in Seattle. Last season, 86 total tackles, two sacks, two fumble recoveries, and an interception. Ben, how do you see KJ Wright fitting into this Vegas Raiders defense?
2: reunites with gus bradley a little bit of continuity there i think it is an improvement for this raiders defense at the very least kj wright maybe not what he was when the seattle defense was a part of the legion of boom mainly in the secondary but that translated with guys like bobby wagner and kj wright as well making fantastic plays throughout the postseason but still having that veteran experience i think for a team that will rely on some of that this year is going to be important now where the raiders stand in the futures market is very interesting because early on this offseason, Ariel, if you remember, the Raiders had a team win total of six and a half. In fact, Bill Krakenberger said his only future bet in the NFL so far back in the early summer months was the over of the Raiders' team win total. The juice was heavy at minus 160 to the over of that six and a half. Well, it got so heavy, and maybe with sharp guys like Crack betting on it, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Reevaluated, and now the Raiders have a team win total of seven the juice even on both sides minus 110 to the over and the under but even with that positive momentum for the Las Vegas Raiders they are still the team with the longest odds in the AFC West to win that division the AFC West is going to be a very difficult division obviously with the Chiefs at the top and then you have the Chargers and the Broncos both trending in very positive directions as well so the Raiders although this is a positive in signing KJ Wright still going to be very difficult season within their own division and the rest of the conference overall.
1: Speaking of that division, the Denver Broncos are on the road at the New York Giants. The line week one has moved in favor of Denver minus one and a half to minus two and a half Broncos road favorites. What's surprising is we don't know what's going on with this Giants team. There are two really important factors, the running back Saquon Barkley and their wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Their number one running back, number one wide receiver. Are they playing? Are they not? The Giants actually had an update yesterday saying that Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony, and Kyle Rudolph, their tight end, all were working in full pads during the media viewing period. Barkley actually took light hits for the first time since coming off his ACL surgery. He didn't take any hits to the ground. Luckily, they didn't, you know, get too rough on him. However, he was in Thursday's padded practice, the closed portion as well, and was taking some initial light hits, Ben.
2: Very, very good reports out of Giants training camp. All those people that you mentioned, Ariel, will be the linchpins of this offense for Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. So to have Saquon back on his road of recovery from the torn ACL last year, at least taking some pops, Some physical contact at practice. His first padded practice really in his return process, I think is a very positive indication. And then when you add guys back like Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, Kyle Rudolph, the list goes on and on. Those are all the weapons that Danny Dines will have at his disposal. And if the Giants want to be good and they want to be competitive in the NFC East, cough, cough, they still have good value at four to one to win that division. They will need everybody on offense to be contributing. The Giants one of the bottom five passing offenses in all of the NFL last year. The main concern, though, not the guys you listed in the skill positions, Ariel. The offensive line for the G-men needs to be a lot better this year, and the preseason was not kind to that offensive line.
1: No, especially being one of those top five units of allowing the most uh, sacks to their quarterback last year. They're up against a really tough front seven, especially the linebacking core in Denver with Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. Coming up next, we're going to talk Major League Baseball from a gambling perspective. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204, the Sports grid Network.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Major League Baseball kicks off uh, their opening or their Labor Day weekend, excuse me, this weekend, and we couldn't have asked for a better matchup. Out on the West Coast, we're going to get the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers battling it out for first place in the National League West. Look at these stats. The Giants, a 634 win percentage. The Dodgers, a 634 win percentage. This is just the second season ever. The Dodgers and Giants will meet 130 plus games into a season each with a 630 or better win percentage along with september 3rd to 6th of 1962 a season that ended with a tiebreaker series between these teams then could you imagine a tiebreaker series then having to go into a wild card series i couldn't imagine having to watch those two games because i would just be sweating it out then from a gambling perspective if you did get into a tiebreaker series that led to a wild card series for the loser How much are you willing to fade that loser?
2: I mean, it is going to be incredible to watch this theater in the Major League Baseball landscape up in the Bay this weekend. But you're right, Ariel. The impact of this weekend series is monumental because it will most likely give whatever team wins this series a huge leg up in the National League West. This is the last time San Francisco and L.A. play each other this year. And when you talk about the head-to-head so far this season, in 16 games... Both teams have eight wins. Both teams have scored 68 total runs. And to think where we are right now in the Major League Baseball calendar, 130 plus games in with both teams with the same exact record, with the same exact record against each other, with the same amount of runs scored against each other, it sets up. For what will be one of the most fun weekend series you will see throughout the regular season in a Major League Baseball season. It is going to be absolutely incredible. And it will all play out and have tremendous impact on the National League playoff picture in general. Because you're right, Ariel. Whoever is the National League wildcard top spot. Because frankly, whoever doesn't win the NL West will be the NL wildcard top spot. Will host that game But I think you would feel more confident in putting the Dodgers out there in a one-game scenario than the Giants. That would at least be the thought. If you put Max Scherzer out there for a one-game scenario, at least on paper, you would probably have a little bit more confidence than maybe a Kevin Gosman or an Alex Wood. And maybe that's a slight to the Giants and everybody undervaluing them as they have all year. But that might be how things stand right now. So here's what the division looks like leading into this weekend. The Dodgers and the Giants tied at the top. But on the FanDuel Sportsbook, L.A. is a minus 220 odds on favorite to win the National League West. The Giants plus 185. How those odds might flip on a daily basis this weekend is going to be fascinating to watch. By the time we get back, Ariel, on Tuesday after Labor Day weekend, looking at those odds once again, I think it's going to look drastically different than it does right now.
1: Oh, so, sorry. A
2: technical. Oh, there she is. The dogs
3: barking right now.
1: Uh, no, I don't know why that was hmm. muted. But anyway, I must have hit it by exactly. accident. Ah, uh, yeah, technology. I am very curious about this series between San Francisco and LA because find, trying to get, find an edge. It's going to be tough. Like if I had this series between the Dodgers and Padres, I love TriBet bet too. I love betting on it to be decided by two runs or less because they've been playing close games. San Francisco and LA, when I tried doing that research, I wasn't as sure of taking try bet too. It's going to all come down to pitching matchups and we'll try to give you the best breakdown in hour three during happy hour of this game. From more recaps of around the league yesterday in the national league, the Philadelphia Phillies, they're continuing to hold on to their hopes of a playoff berth. They're only a game and a half back of the League. League East behind the Atlanta Braves and the Phillies won 7 6 yesterday against the Nationals, catching in at minus 168. The total eight and a half goes over. The Phillies win six straight games and seven of their last 10. Ben, this was a team that was close to four to one to make the playoffs preseason. Philadelphia has to win their division to do so. How confident are you in this Phillies team?
2: Well, this Phillies team is streaking once again. They got to the top spot of the National League East earlier in the month of August by winning eight straight games. Now six straight wins, and to think they rallied from down six to do it yesterday against the Washington Nationals. It seemed about a week ago that the Atlanta Braves were running away with this division. They were a minus 600 favorite to win the National League East. Now those odds looking differently as well. Atlanta minus 310, Philly plus 270, the Mets aren't necessarily out of the picture yet either at 16-1 to to win the National League East, and when you look at the standings, Atlanta with a two-game lead at the moment, bouncing back last night on the road against the Colorado Rockies, although the run line did not prevail, but the Braves have had a very tough stretch against the Giants and the Dodgers on this West Coast swing. To get a win last night was crucial, but you have Philadelphia streaking, winning six straight games, and as we're about to discuss... The Mets also on a winning streak of their own, closing in on that top spot in the National League East, now only five games back of the Atlanta
1: Braves. The Mets beat the Marlins yesterday 4-3. There was actually some uplifting news about their closer, Edwin Diaz, who yesterday, Edwin Diaz, after blowing three consecutive saves, in mid July, ends up fighting back in the month of August, and he's looked pretty good. He's nine for nine with a one point one three ERA, twenty three strikeouts, three walks, and a one thirteen opponents' batting average against him. The total in this game stays under for the Mar- uh, for the Mar- the Marlins Mets game again. Seven and a half is where it closed. Seven is where the total hit, and the under is sixty four and a half percent at City Field again, Ben. So between the closers getting the job done, that also helps with this under trend at City Field.
2: We talked about the hook for college football. Well, the hook giveth yesterday if you were on the undertrend between the Mets and the Marlins. And frankly, how could you not be on the undertrend at this point when the New York Mets are playing baseball games at home inside the friendly confines of Citi Field? 64.5%, more than 130 games into a Major League Baseball season, is one of the strongest trends and percentages that you will see, it's not a majority of their games. It's not 52, 53%. It is 64.5%. And yes, it just survived by the hook yesterday, thanks to Edwin Diaz coming back to form a little bit in a crucial fourth straight win for the New York Mets. But, I mean, come on. Ariel pretty much highlights it each and every day on this show. 64.5% is one of the stronger trends you will see. The Dodgers have the second highest under percentage at home, and that's at 59.4%. So the Mets are more than 5% stronger when it comes to unders at home than even the second most unders at home. And that's the Dodgers at also a really good trend. So always something to keep in mind when the New York Mets are playing baseball games inside Citi Field. That's where you might want to start your handicapping when you look at the Mets.
1: Switching over to the American League East, the Boston Red Sox beat the Tampa Bay Rays by blanking them, winning 4-0. Mm. The Red Sox were plus 136 on the money line. Boston has now split the series with Tampa at two apiece. The total stays under eight. Now the Sox are 77-59, and 59, finishing their road trip 4-2. and two. They trail the Yankees by one and a half games in the wildcard race and lead the Athletics by two games. Ben, this is important because I've stressed this multiple times on the show already. Whoever is in that wild card game does not want to be the away team. If you're especially the Yankees Red Sox, you do not want to be a division rival, having to go to your division rival. Not only division rival, your rival. You're the Yankees Red Sox is the biggest rivalry in baseball, even though I still argue recently it's the Padres and Dodgers. But anyway, the Yankees and Red Sox, you did not wanna be the away team in a winner take all wild card game.
2: No, not at all. And the Boston Red Sox just a few days ago, Ariel, going through a COVID outbreak within their clubhouse, losing two straight to the best team in the American League in the Tampa Bay Rays. It seemed like the Red Sox were about to start a slide at a very crucial juncture of this MLB season with key players out due to that COVID-19 outbreak they have had within the clubhouse. But... To rally back and win two straight against Tampa to split the series, doing so in an impressive way yesterday with Eduardo Rodriguez and Garrett Richards combining to look really, really good against that vaunted Tampa Bay offense, who has been the best offense in all of Major League Baseball since the All-Star break, I think was very impressive and reassuring for any Red Sox fans and backers out there. So now just a one and a half game difference between the Yankees and the Red Sox. For that top spot maybe more importantly as well Boston continuing to keep pace with that second and final spot two games ahead of the A's right now there really hasn't been much movement in the futures market as has been indicated by this the Rays still at the third shortest odds to win the American League pennant at plus 350 speaking of teams from the American League East the New York Yankees plus 370 just 20 cents behind them the Red Sox the fifth shortest odds but a far gap Ariel between the Yankees and the Red Sox plus 370 for, you, for New York, plus 1,200 for Boston. Maybe showing that, like echoing your point there, having home field advantage in a one-game playoff in that NL or AL wildcard game is going to be incredibly, incredibly important. That's why you're seeing such a drastic drop-off from where New York is at plus 370 to where the Red Sox find themselves at 12-1 to 1 to win the American League pennant.
1: I also just don't believe that the book has any faith in this Red Sox rotation, especially when going up against a healthy Houston Astros team, the Tampa Bay Rays lineup, both teams that are top 10 when it comes to OPS and pretty much every offensive metric all year. The Yankees also, if they were playing at home in Yankee Stadium, the way that the Yankees have been playing in the second half, one of the hottest teams in baseball, uh, the book just doesn't have faith in this Red Sox starting rotation. The book has been right so far on certain question marks we've had, Just going back to the Dodgers, they would not put the Dodgers in plus money. They continued. Even when the Giants had the best record in baseball all year, the Giants were in first place by three, four games. The Dodgers were still in minus money. Now they are the overall favorites. The Boston Red Sox, on the other hand, then this was a team that the book booked as the fourth worst team in the American League East. Preseason, it was the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Orioles. If it does get to the point where the Red Sox are third or fourth, we could just sit here and say, wow, the book, great job. Even though they did get the Yankees wrong, because the Yankees, I just don't think, are going to be catching up with the Tampa Bay Rays. Coming up next, we're going to be welcoming in from the triad down in the Carolinas, Sports Talk Radio host for WSJS in the triad, Josh Graham. We're going to talk ACC football and whatever else he likes on the board for college football this weekend. Stay on the grid. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Time to welcome in a very good friend of mine, Josh Graham from down in the triad in the Carolinas. You can catch him on WSJS Sports Radio. And today he's going to be at the Wake Forest game in Winston-Salem. First, I have to talk about games from last night. You are currently repping your alma mater's colors, even though it's Sam Jones Barbecue. Shout out to them. You're wearing purple and gold. This team was absolutely atrocious last night, Josh, and I was confident in them. Between you, Steve, and I go, who covers the team, you went there. I took the points with the Pirates. They continued to disappoint me. What on earth happened to them?
3: Well, even as bad as they played, Ariel, they should have covered the spread. I still have no idea. If you go back and watch this game, they had a Hail Mary touchdown. The final play of the first half that was called a touchdown through a sea of hands, yet with a Sunbelt officiating crew, somebody went through the video, found something conclusive that overturned it. (laughs) I had a 30-year ACC referee text me who was at the game saying, there's no way on earth they can overturn this call, yet the Sunbelt crew found a way to do so. If that touchdown happens, totally different second half, and certainly a cover for ECU.
2: Josh, you were looking at so many guys in that scrum for the Hail Mary at the end of the first half. It was so hard to discern. So the fact there was indisputable video evidence to overturn the call. Yeah, color me skeptical as well. It was a wild play at the end of the first half between ECU and App State. I did not love seeing Chase Bryce as a Syracuse alum. You have nightmares thinking of Chase Bryce and his time with Clemson. A two-part question for you, Josh Graham. First off, what is the best thing to get at Sam Jones' barbecue? Secondly, how excited are we for North Carolina in Virginia Tech tonight?
3: See, this is controversial that I'm wearing the Sam Jones stuff because in North Carolina, barbecue is religion. And there is like about a half dozen different places you could go to that are tremendous. But at Sam Jones, it's all about the sides. The barbecue is really good, and it's hard to di- differentiate between the really great barbecue places. But getting the mac and cheese and getting some good french fries. Maybe you get the cornbread. I'm more of a Texas toast guy. I just like having options. That's the key, Ben.
1: (laughs) And then Ben also wanted to know about Virginia Tech going and taking on UNC. You said that you don't really feel like UNC is as highly touted as they are by everyone else in ACC media. Why are you not buying what UNC is selling?
3: I, I need to see it first. The, the hype, the way that this team's being hyped is as if they're one of the Oklahoma's, the tech, uh, the, I almost said Texas there. They haven't been that in a while since Mac Brown was there. Uh, the, the Clemsons of the world, the Alabamas that can just lose draft picks, top draft picks, second and third rounders, and not have any drop off as a result. Mac Brown told me last week, he didn't feel they were that type of program. He said in his press conference too, I don't think we've earned being the number 10 team in the country. And to his credit last week, last year, excuse me, when they were ranked fifth, he said a similar thing. Uh, the, the, in talking season, people love coaches they're familiar with and quarterbacks that are highly touted. And North Carolina checks both those boxes. So the rating, the ranking is going to be inflated. Tonight, the talking stops and you're in Blacksburg and it's going to be a tremendous crowd. And the Hokies have a lot on the line. Justin Buente has to win this year, or else he's going to be out of a job. So, to use Ben's expression, color me skeptical. I'm, I'm a, I need to see it before I believe North Carolina is a top ten caliber team.
2: So, Josh, you bring up the point that this opener for North Carolina is on the road in Blacksburg. Enter Sandman plays. The Hokies play a little bit better. We have seen tons of line movement on this game it opened at six and a half in favor of the tar heels it moved down for five and a half for a good majority leading up to this week one opener it was up to six and a half last night and this morning now back down to five and a half in favor of north carolina what do you make of the line movement in the spread for tonight's contest
3: i think people just don't know what to do with this game you you if you're a college football fan you know virginia tech's a tough place to play at but if you follow it really closely, you start thinking, well, when's the last time Virginia Tech won a big game at Lane Stadium? Has it really happened? North Carolina, I would stay far away from this line. I'm apprehensive about the line. I think North Carolina wins the game, and I'm going to be fascinated with style of play. If North Carolina wins impressively, then the, the Heisman campaign is going to take off for a guy like Sam Howell. And I don't see a loss for North Carolina for the next month and a half. You've got Georgia State, Virginia at home the next two weeks. Then I think you're at Georgia Tech, some combination of Duke and Florida State at home after that. I, I don't see any losses for North Carolina after that. So if you're talking about the hype maybe being inflated with them being number 10 in the country right now, Imagine what it's going to look like when they're 6-0 and in the middle of October. You might be looking at a team that's ranked 3rd or 4th in the country just because they haven't really played anybody for a month and a half.
1: Opponents always important to look at when looking at those rankings. Josh Graham from down in the North Carolina area, down in the Triad, WSJS Sports Radio. Josh, talking about the game that you're going to tonight, Wake Forest is hosting Old Dominion. Wake Forest laying 31.5 points the total sitting at 61 and a half. How confident are you in Wake Forest to cover a 31 and a half point spread?
3: Confident. Wake Forest is, lay the point. I know it sounds like a lot and you're talking about Wake Forest, but consider this. Last week, we saw UConn, what it looked like when they opted out of a football season and we hadn't seen them since 2019. They got boat raced 45 to nothing against a team that wasn't even a power five school. Wake is a Power 5 school that's been to six consecutive bowl games. They're trying to go to a seventh. Dave Clawson's one of the most underrated coaches in the uh, country. And you're facing a team that opted out last year. And to compound that, they have a head coach in Ricky Rain, who's coaching his first game at ODU. He was hired as the former Penn State offensive coordinator after the 2019 season. So it's his first head coaching. Uh, It's his debut as a head coach, I should say. And you're playing at Wake Forest, who's pretty darn good. And the offense, if you ever watch Wake Forest, they they run a million plays, snapping it every 20 or 25 seconds. So you're going to look up at the clock and wonder, how is this game 21 to nothing? And there's still five minutes left to go in the first quarter. Yes, lay the points.
2: Also a shout out to friend of the program, Drew Carter, who is making his debut for ESPN tonight, calling this game between Wake Forest and Old Dominion. Now, Josh. You're one of the only very few people. In fact, I think the only person to pick Pittsburgh to win the ACC Coastal. It will be our Fade the Public poll coming up here in the next segment. Pittsburgh opens up this weekend as a 37.5-point favorite over UMass. How do you see this game playing out for the Panthers?
3: <laughs> They'll win it. 38's a bit much. It is just because of the offense that they run, right? See, Kitty Pickett, that's not... It's not like Wake Forest where they're snapping it every 21 seconds. So they'll win the game. I don't even know if they'll allow double-digit points. You're probably looking at something pretty close to that number, but Pitt's not going to have any problems there. You said they play UMass, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned yesterday that the UMass women's basketball team goes by the UMass Minute Women. That's something I did not know before. Oh. That... You got the UMass. I mean, I guess it would be awkward if it was
1: the Minute Men and their women. I guess,
3: yeah, I guess it makes sense. I guess what I'm saying is... Even We're getting into Pitt's really troubled waters time,
1: here. We probably should walk away from this shout conversation.
3: Out, shout out <laughs> to the UMass win, uh, Minute Women. That's what I wanted to say. So, All right. At least UMass well, well,
1: we'll make sure that uh, when basketball season comes around that we'll ask you for the handicap on the women's basketball team at UMass. I do want to ask <laughs> you about another game that's actually coming up this weekend and back to football because, you know, it's not basketball season. Honestly, basketball season took way too long. I'm ready to put that behind me for a few months. <laughs> football season, we do. You have Alabama taking on another ACC team, which is Miami. How do you see this spread, which has moved in favor of Alabama by about three points already, laying around 19-and-a-half Alabama facing the Hurricanes?
3: Again, lay the points. Miami, I think their heaviest starting defensive lineman floats at around 260. They lost. So before last year, they lost Gregor Rousseau, who opted out. Then this past season, Quincy Roche went pro as did Jalen Phillips, who was a first-round draft pick. So they lost their entire defensive line, not where you want to be particularly thin facing Alabama. And Alabama's the master of the Labor Day neutral site game. They beat USC by a million. They beat Louisville. They beat Duke by a ton, as they should. Florida State. They they always win this game by a ton. So I would have no problem laying the number just because Miami <laughs> – This. Another team that I feel is very inflated. We've talked about it before, but Derek King coming off back uh, coming back from the injury, losing your best receiver and Brevin Jordan at tight end. I I feel they were exposed towards the end of last season. I really do. I have no problem laying the points with them.
2: Josh Nick Saban, fourteen and zero in his fourteen season openers at the helm of the Tide, twelve and two against the spread, an average victory margin of twenty eight point seven points per game. I would say the history and the trends. Back up your thought there between the Canes and the Tide on Saturday. Another great game on Saturday. The most marquee of all the marquee matchups. Week number one of the college football season, Georgia and Clemson. A top five tilt. The Dogs, a two and a half point underdog to the Tigers. How do you break down this matchup between Clemson and Georgia?
3: I've been on Georgia the entire offseason. I love the way this team's put together. I think early on they might have had the edge against Clemson. Just as long as they weren't banged up. And in fall camp, I don't know what they're doing over there in Athens. They're banged up. I'm hearing things about the center. He is probable to play, but he hurt his snapping hand. We don't know if he's going to start. It's weird stuff there. And all I can think about is Tyler Davis and Brian Brzee lining up on the other side, what that's going to look like to disrupt things. Plus, Clemson has unbelievable corners and a great front seven, as I just noted. I'm, I'm fearful that... Georgia's going to be very one-dimensional tomorrow night. I think the running game's pretty good, but if they get behind, I, I don't see the receivers. George Pickens, I'm a political voter, so I follow this pretty closely. George Pickens, he, he's out for the early part of the year, coming back from an ACL that he sustained in the spring. They have another receiver that's questionable for the game. That's a problem when you're facing this Clemson secondary. I, I struggle to believe Georgia's going to be able to move the ball a ton, so I think I'm going to go with Clemson. It's going to be a really good game. I'd probably say they cover the number just because we've seen – this is the 10th time – here's a stat for you. This is according to ESPN Stats and Info. This is the 10th time that we've seen two top five teams ranked to the AP poll facing each other to open the season. The first nine's average margin of victory, 19.5 points. Just Damn. keep tabs on that. I'm. I think Clemson's going to win the game. I'm not saying they're going to boat race Georgia, but my mind flipped just because this injury report scared me away from Georgia.
1: Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. Maybe looking at the total, still going back and forth. The the premier games are always just so tough to get a grasp on. You know that this is going to be one of the sharper lines. We saw sharp lines prevail all throughout yesterday's slate of games. We'll see how things go this weekend. Josh Graham, thanks so much for coming on with us. WSGS Sports Radio down in the Triad and the Carolinas. Have fun tonight at Wake Forest and Old Dominion. See you guys. Poor Josh. He's going to a game with a 31.5 point spread. You'll be snoozing at halftime. Coming up next, we're going to close out hour number one with our Fade the Public poll. We'll keep things in the ACC. You're listening on SiriusXM, channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Faith the Public. Going back to the ACC, we're going to the ACC Coastal because Clemson's on the other side. But in the Coastal, who's going to win it? North Carolina, Miami? They both have the same odds at plus 125. Then the other option is Other. Majority says Mm. just over 57% of them say North Carolina is going to win the Coastal this year. Ben, are you fading the public?
2: Now, let me make this very clear. So I don't seem like a fraud by any means, but Uh what I will say is I voted for North Carolina. So I guess I agree with the public, but I love Josh Graham. He is one of the best guests that we have on this show, especially when it comes to college football and anything in the ACC. Josh Graham was the only media member brazen enough to say that Pittsburgh will win the ACC Coastal Division. I love Josh Graham, I love his confidence in it. I'm going to say right now, I'm riding with Josh Graham. Pittsburgh at 10-1 to to win the ACC Coastal. Put, to put that in reference, like Ariel mentioned, Miami-UNC tied for the shortest odds at plus 125. Then it's Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech tied for the third shortest odds at plus 1,000, 10-1. You compare that to Clemson, who is predicted to win the ACC Atlantic Division, Clemson is minus 2,400 to win the Atlantic. They are minus 900 to win the ACC, something they have done for the past six seasons.
1: It's uh oh, Gosh, I can Pittsburgh's experience level, it just doesn't feel right going up against teams like UNC and Miami who have so much historic winning. In, in North Carolina, Josh is right. Let's see if it actually matches with what the preseason hype has been about with this Tar Heels team. UNC hasn't always been great at turnover. In fact, you look back to the Mitch Trubisky year, Mitch Trubisky Ooh. played one season as a starter. Like, he wasn't even this, like, North Carolina Tar Heels, like, legend. I mean, this was one year of starting. I, that's why with North Carolina, I always am skeptical, pretty much about every team in that state. Miami, North Carolina, going to come down to that game on October 16th. Coming up next, hour number two here on the show, Hour of chaos. Stay on the grid.